We're live. Came on. on. Yeah. Miss your cue. Do you ever, have you ever done this before? It's episode 47, buddy. Jeepers. See game on for crying out loud. Holy. Oh, game on. God. You'd think this guy was a rookie and never done a flipping podcast before. That's like an Oilers start right there. Gotta keep show your head up. up. Yeah, yeah. Keep just keep up. your mouth. Yeah, we're we're on a podcast. You might as well just zip your lips right closed. Yeah, you, well played. Keep your no, feet not on. now. No, you no, keep, you missed keep, your spot. Enough keep, of you. Keep your Enough feet on. You. Keep your feet on side. We would you? Oh, geez. I, who am I, Warren Fogel? That's right. This is so <laughs> far off the rails already. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's episode forty-seven of Straight Off the Pipe Hurricanes Post-Game Edition. Hey, Dash. <laughs> Hi, Dursa. Game on. I see you like to have your podcast in front of the fire now because Cell Block 99 is all taped off for your cat fighting underground quarantine there. That's right. So nice, nice to see you up above the ground. Uh, episode 47 means that Mr. He Bear is going to be uh, the quarterback power play like Marc Andre Bergeron and then pretty much useless otherwise. And then, <laughs> then Ryan. Making his heavy hockey straight off the pipe debut, Ryan Lotzi Locksburg, 8675309. How you doing tonight, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. I don't even care how Dursa is. I'm not even going to talk to him yet. He lost his spot. Boys, I don't know. That was a... Uh, a different road trip, right? I think we just, you know, we won one of three games on the road. Yeah, it didn't feel that bad. I, I don't know. It, it felt a little different than before, for sure. You know, we weathered the storm versus Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Smith did his best impression of a shrieking violet or a shrinking violet or whatever Dursa wants to call it. And uh, made himself five feet tall again, him and his reverse VH. I don't understand why he just... Anyways. Um, you know, boys, goaltending 70% of the game, unless you don't have one, that's a hundred percent. And that's pretty much what those two games proved, right? Uh, Panthers tail of two games, opposites, absolute opposites. I think we took it to the lightning, to be honest, um, hung in there for the whole game, kept staying in there, kept coming back, kept coming back. And we deserved at least a point in that game. I'm shocked we didn't, uh, we walk into this Panthers game. Um, completely different. Uh, just it's, it was a physical game. Um, we played like absolute horse manure, um, versus the Tampa game. And yet then we have the goalie that, that kept us in at this time and, and Koskinen makes some sort of, I don't know, remarkable recovery to, um, the Miko of, of, I don't know, maybe St. Louis or, or Calgary, but it's only had three or four good games this year. And this is certainly his best. Um, and how about Derek Ryan doubling his goal total pretty much in one night with a hat trick and 35 years old and the oldest oiler in history to record a hat trick at 35 years old. Miko makes 44 out of 47 and comes in against the hurricanes. Everybody looked tired tonight. I thought it had, uh, um, just kind of exhaustion written all over it today. Um, you know, the goaltending I think was kind of, you know, the, the dictator again. Um, Ryan, what did you think of, uh, what did you think of the game? It felt a little bit different on this road trip when we we're only taking one of the three, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, after watching today's game, like it, 
give the boys full credit. Uh, aside from that first period where Caroline started taking it to us after the McDavid turns or the goal reversal there, they played quite well. Like Carolina is a really fast, really aggressive team. They played really good structured defense. They got good sticks in the defensive zones. Like they're a frustrating team to play against. And we carried the play for, for the last two periods, it felt like. But this is the downside of the 11-7 system that Woodcroft's been using is that you've got a top nine that you're riding hard. And it's a little bit shorthanded right now. Like, a top nine that's missing Poyarvi, Cassian, Yamamoto, Nuge. Like those are I mean, maybe outside of Cassian. Those guys are perennial top six, nine forwards. Absolutely. So it's a lot of stress being placed on that top nine. This these last three games, like they've handled themselves quite well. I'm I'm not upset with the way they played at all, even though even though they only came away with two points out of the three games. Yeah, for sure. Michael, Mister Blue Hat, what did you think of there? Yeah, this is my Cape Breton Oilers hat right here. Nice. It's all good. Uh you know, I yeah, I'm with you, Ryan. Like. I mean, you got to feel good the way they played, but I mean, I always hate moral victories, right? Like they just don't count in yes. the standings. You know, we had a chance. Loser talk. Yeah, it is. I mean, because that's the only time you talk about them, right? And, um, you know, we had a chance tonight to uh, overtake uh, Vegas, right? And, or today, rather. We didn't do it. Uh, the team, look, the team looks way better under, um, under Woodcroft and Manson and, and guys are playing well. I, I like. I don't. I don't know that we're even in this game without Yamo, Puliarvi, Nugent Hopkins. Uh, if it's a tip it run lineup, and and in fact, it's it's probably four or five nothing. Uh, once McDavid's out after the first period, and you're chasing the game even worse. We were in this to the bit the bitter end, and and I thought the better team over the last two periods. And I think, look, you know, if you're playing, uh, you know, quickly, if you're going to play. Carolina, Florida, and Tampa, which, you know, they've been talking about it now. Every Western team that goes out this way finishes 0 for 3, sort of finish 1 for 3. That's two more points you gained. Uh, yeah, look how little. the Flames did. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is good. I just hate moral victories, but I'll, I'll take the two in, in Florida. The game we probably shouldn't have won is the one we did. Uh, yeah. and, the, oh, yeah. and I, and I thought we could have won easily tonight and, and, uh, also won in Tampa. So, uh, good on him. I like, uh, I think McDavid's obviously turned a corner. He's flying again. Like he's just, he's on a next, that, uh, one time where he's pretty much stick handled right into the net. Um, you know, that's the kind of McDavid. Oh, the, oh that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Three times a period for the last four. Yeah. Games. yeah. Couldn't agree more, Michael. I think yeah. McDavid's uh, picked up a step for sure. I think Smith may have lost another step. You guys, he just doesn't look healthy. He just, he just doesn't look athletic. He just doesn't look, I don't know. He doesn't look smitty. Like he's, you know, he's sitting back in his net because he's not confident and he's just, he's not flexible. He's on a pop. He's like, he's not playing aggressive. Hey, like Mike Smith battles. What the fuck is let he Let me ask you right a question. Getting Which up was, off his feet? Who was the goalie we had a couple of years back that would always attack the puck like that? Like basically dive at the puck. And Smith did it twice tonight. Uh, was it? Uh, oh, his name was Mike Smith from two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I he remember sucked that. then too, and he used to lunge at the puck all the time because he wasn't. Look, I, I don't want to cut anybody off here. In fact, I'll cut Durs off. He hasn't got to talk <laughs> yet. I got another five minutes before I'm going to let him speak. Um, 
you know, I, I said this at the beginning of the year, you guys, you guys all heard me talk about how Mike Smith was going to have a different kind of year. You know, he, he was cushy last year. They had no, no, no long road trips and staying at home in your hotel or staying at home in your own bed. And, you know, playing six different teams and three of them were Montreal, Ottawa, and like it's Vancouver. And that was not good last year. Like he's, it's a tale of two seasons and he looks exactly like he did two years ago. Sorry for the interjection, but uh, did I cut you off, Michael? Do you have anything to finish there? No, no, I, I wasn't Smith, but I, you know, I, I hate that. Like I hate goalies. I don't know. Rollison, Delorier, might have been Talbot, It might have been Dubnik when he was playing with Ty Conklin. Always, always, uh, Mike Morrison. Who knows? Anyway, there was a goalie we had used to like dive at the puck. Smith did it. Bill Ransom led to both. Led to both. You know, you know all our goalies. That's a few good. years ago. A few yeah. years ago, Bill Ranford. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're not talking that long ago. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, he did it tonight. Why, you know, you're diving at the puck, unless if you're diving like sort of upwards and outwards you're not covering the net. You're like covering the bottom of the net. And that's um, yeah. like, you're not going to make a save that way. I don't know. They suggested he slipped on the second, second one, but the, the second goal looked awkward. That push across. It looked like his one foot got caught in a crevasse. Just the second goal today looked the, awkward. That's the yeah. only one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, nothing the other day. You know, that's that, that's the, either. That, that's that, the most recent memory there. And the and the first I could goal barely get up off the ice. The first goal, where was he standing when it went in? Yeah, why well, he's behind the, the <laughs> behind the goal line. Yeah. Get get out, get yeah. out to the top of your crease, like exactly, Ryan, like carbon copy, right? Okay, Durst, five ten minutes. It's all yours. Go ahead, whatever <laughs> you got, buddy. Just, just hold on. I gotta throw my. Oh throw yeah, yeah. Throw you on off, mute. Yeah. Throw you yeah. on mute first yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go. Go for it. Any comments from You're listeners on. before we let to get to Durst? <laughs> oh, just hold on, Durst. You're going to have to hold on two minutes here. Uh, tough call pod. Josh is uh, watching on YouTube right now, and I've got to read this one because uh, it's probably my favorite comment. He says, call me a loser. Okay, everybody call Josh a loser. Josh a loser, is a loser. Josh. Yeah, because I'm pretty darn happy with what this trip is telling us. Uh, so if Anyway, you, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you, Josh. Yeah, I, repping I the loser mentality for <laughs> heavy right. hockey since 2021. That's, that's Fantastic. Right. <laughs> Glad Daryl Cates could afford to give him some pom-poms there. <laughs> <laughs> now that he's the video guy for the Oilers. That's right. All right. Okay, Dur- okay Durs. It's all you, buddy. What do you think of the goaltending? What did you think of the games? How was the uh, flow? Did it feel different? I think if uh, Mike Smith gave you that type of effort in Tampa Bay, uh, we're two and three on this trip instead of uh, one and three. He played better today. He 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 gave him a chance, but he definitely didn't, uh, you know, play shining shining star hockey in Tampa Bay. That was not a good performance. Um, I thought he'd play well today because Miko st- stood on his head yesterday, and I think on that a scale caught- of streaking violet to superstar, where do you think he uh, landed in Tampa Bay? There. Oh man, yeah, um, yeah, not not exactly a Vesna caliber performance. We'll we'll go with that one. <laughs> um, Miko was outstanding uh, yesterday. That was that was great goaltending to watch, and that's uh, fun. Yeah, I, I think we've played well on this trip, but. You know, what does that mean? If you play this type of game against other teams, you probably have better success. I like where their game's at, but 
still two more games on this trip. If you run the table on those, then it's a pretty successful road trip. So, you know, I'm kind of glass half full here uh, right now. Uh, what does it mean? I think that it means that they play differently when they're behind now. The Tippett's, Tippett's Oilers would have caved, in my opinion. I don't think the way to fought all the way to the end like they did in all three games. And what it means, hopefully, Durst, is that we start to reverse the trend of playing up against the good teams and playing down against the shitty teams. Because we can't walk into this next three games against Philadelphia and whatever and whatever and not have a good effort like we, we have to play the same way we played in those three games that's what it means to me yeah that's where your that's where your game needs to be and uh you know the other thing i've kind of noticed is if this team gets 10 minutes in the first period of scoreless hockey usually they have a pretty good outcome and and that's been happening more often lately under woodcroft than it did under Tippett. we we're not getting shelled you know in the first three minutes and 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 down right away they're I mean, it, it still happened a little bit, but it, it hasn't been every single freaking game, you know? It doesn't feel like the team's getting shelled. It feels like Mike Smith's just letting us down. Like, you know, like... Eight- I, just, I just mean we're not trailing right off the bat as quickly. Anymore. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know what you mean, but it's because it was the whole team not coming out strong in, yeah. in you know, previous. Now it just feels like the team's coming out okay, but Smith still isn't coming out okay, and... I don't love pointing fingers at any one player on a hockey team, but you guys like his stats have been like, he's let in 20 goals in the last 10 first periods. Yeah. If, if you go through Brian Swain's timeline and read the, you know, yeah. how, how often he's given up two goals, let alone one, it's uh it's not a good thing. I mean, I, 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 th- I think it needs to be improved. I mean, we all, we all know that, but I mean, I mean, was there anybody that was, thinking Miko was going to be a net today or anything else other than Mike Smith was going to get the start? No, I thought they'd start Mike Smith, just obviously the back-to-back. And I think obvious, you know, there's two different, three very different styles of teams that we saw in the last three games, in my opinion. And Carolina was by far the best four-checking team. They were relentless. And that, I think it was important to have Mike Smith in the net for the sheer fact that he can take so much pressure off the defense and handling the puck on that four check. So I think Smith was going to start this game no matter what, just based on that alone. Um, Smith played a a fine game, though. I mean, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been great lately, but, you know, but, you know, and he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't stellar by any stretch, but. Look, you you know you can't blame him for tonight. As, as you as you know, I mean, if he lets in two every night, there's a good opportunity we're gonna win that game, right? We're a you know three goal three goal team, and and um, I, I'm all right with that. He does, he he just doesn't look comfortable right now. Somebody commented yeah. on something that I did and and said it, you know they should send him down to Bakersfield. I, I like I think it's too late for that now. Like yeah. they should have done that initially That's... off the off the hop. Um, well, maybe let's jump into help. that then, because like, honestly, guys, we're in a goaltending conundrum here. Koskinen's not going to keep this up. We don't know what we have in Skinner. Mike Smith has proven he's hurt or not up to speed or the Smith of two years ago or just going to get hurt again. And we can't really trade for a goalie. Nobody's going to give us a goalie without having to mortgage half of our future for it. And there's just not that many goalies available. How many weeks in a row we've been talking about this? Like, it's just not there. And 
And let me just add this little tidbit, and then I'd like to get Ryan's kind of take on all of this is what do we you guys think Oilers fans are mad now? Look, I'll take a step back here. Ken Holland got hired by the Edmonton Frickin' Oilers. What was the first thing he said he needed to do? And what was the first thing that fans needed him to do on this hockey club when he took over? Everybody at once, fix the fucking goaltending. Yeah. Has he done it yet? Like, we've got, you think we're mad now. We've got Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen in net. We might have Mike Smith and Skinner in net for the end of the year. If we can, we might have Miko and Skinner in net for the rest of the year. How mad are you going to be next year when our goaltenders are Mike Smith and Stuart Skinner again? Ryan? That's where we're headed. Mark my words. Mark them right now. Skinner and Smith, that's our goalies next year. That certainly seems to be a plan unless there's something unforeseen happening. Like uh, I was just looking at the Blues yesterday. I keep hearing smoke around Billy Huso, and I'm like, why the hell would they trade him? But just to play devil's advocate, he is a 27-year-old impending UFA. And that's around the time where a guy's thinking he ought to be a starter somewhere. And they also have Jordan Binnikin signed for six, four years. So I could, there's a case to be made that they could try to move him if they were to get one of our goalies and use him as the backup the way that they should be being used. Like there's two quality backups here in Edmonton. You don't have a true number one starter, but you got two really good backups. So maybe the Blues trade us who so for a backup and they take a, a prospect or another useful player off our hands. They improve their lineup a little bit, knowing that they're going to go with Biddington for most of their playoffs. You never know. And maybe Holland's smart to wait till the summertime to make a pitch for Huso. Who knows? I'm, I'm just saying, like, there's always a way. There's always some unknown factor out there. But, yeah. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humor you. I'm going to humor you. What's it going to take, then? Okay, pending UFA, so we don't have any remaining years. He's a, he's a rental, unless he decides he wants to resign. Okay? so. Rental goalie, we have to get rid of Smith or Koskinen or Skinner in this trade. Mm-hmm. They're not taking Smith, not at that 2.5 next year. Thanks, Holland. They're not taking, well, they might take Koskinen because it's just the expiring contact contract and then he's gone and he's a good enough backup for Bennington. Maybe Stewart's the piece. I don't know. Like... Skinner's contract next year states that he has to pass through waivers to be sent down. So we either got to leave him in the minors all year, or we're going to keep him up all year because the way he's playing right now, I don't think he's going to pass through waivers. No, so, I definitely wouldn't think yeah. he would pass through waivers. Right so now. if we're going to put that guy, we, we, we either have to bring him up into the NHL right now, find out what we have in him and either pump his value and trade him, or accept the fact that him and Smith are going to be our goalies next year. Or then, if not, we've got Skinner that we've got to keep in the minors for the entire rest of this year, and then we might as well leave him there for the whole rest of next year, too. He's only 23, you guys. Goalies peak at 26, 27. We're still, you could keep him in the minors for another year and a half. That's the Holland way, whether he's dominating or not. Then he comes up at 25. I don't know. Thoughts on that, Durs? We're like, what's, what's the conundrum? What, what, what are we going to do? feeling here is that this this whole thing is is a wait and see wait and see 
and then let's do it at the deadline kind of thing if we're in position to be in the playoffs. That, that's what I've been thinking right from. And then just overpay and it is what it is? Um, I, th- I think the idea is that the prices will come down on, 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 no, on they're, not, they're not going down. Not a chance, man. They're going up and there's nobody yeah. helping the Edmonton Oilers. I, I think that might hold true for a contending team, but if you're uh, picking amongst teams that are trying to sell off to retool, I, I don't know if I believe that. Um, and as for next year, I think Stuart Skinner needs to be here. Um, I think he's shown enough where he can. So then our goalies are Mike Smith and Stuart Skinner. So awesome. we're going to trade. So what we're going to trade Possibly. Koskinen at the deadline. Um, I I've thought that from the, from kind of the get go. And I, you know, uh, right now, I don't okay. know if that's, I, I, I honestly, I don't know if that's a smart, smart well, we, decision, but okay, I so think, we get only goalie ABC from team ABC that D- Durst was talking about. Let's just say it's Holtby. Okay. So we get Holtby. And we trade Koskinen, and you want to keep Skinner in the NHL all in next year? Are we riding three goalies? Well, you know, you do. Uh, um, Koskinen's contracts off the books, right? Yeah, but so you got you got some half, money, and then we're going to keep Skinner up, and then we're going to got some money to go into the free agent market, right? I mean, you you know, you, that's not uh, you can't discount that. So it's a rental goalie. And then I'm we're not still a rental. Stuck with... No, I'm, I'm not talking at the trade deadline. Like, oh. let's let's talk like into going into next year. Okay. As far right. as far as this year goes, so perfect segue. So you're thinking it's an off season move then? Like we're all on different pages here. This I, is... you know what I my my feeling on it is this is is Holland is not, and I've had this conversation with you guys before. He's not a big trade guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I, I'm not even sure he's capable of the big trade. And um, I think Jim Nill made a lot of those trades for him in Detroit. Yeah. And, and, you know, here's the thing, right? He's, he's not a big trade guy. And the guy that we need is a big trade goalie, right? Like we don't, you know, it's, and it's going to be a big trade. It's going to be an asset or something of value going back. Nobody's going to give us a goalie. And so if nobody's going to give us a goalie, then we might as well just keep what we have and bring Skinner up, you know, when, if, if, and when we make the playoffs. Right. Um, but I, you know, if he's not willing to trade anything of any asset, then we're not getting a goalie. Then it's okay. Done. So we, yeah. pick but, up, it, but uh, it's going to happen at the deadline, no matter what. Right. So Dursa thinks it's going to happen at the deadline. You think it should be an off season move. If, if it's big, no, no, I'm not goal- saying, I'm not oh. saying I think it should be, I think we desperately need goaltending. I would have done it yesterday. Then who are, okay. Then who are we trading? <laughs> I'm just saying goal? Holland is not the guy. Which goal are we trading? I'm saying Holland's not going to get it done. He might find a goalie, but it's not going to be the goalie. Everybody is. Uh, it's going to be the one that uh, the you know excuse making folks out there are going to try to find a way to love and and like I'm sure Stoffer will let us know all the little ins and outs of why this goalie is the best trade Edmonton's ever made. Um, but it's not going to be a big name. Right. Like it's, it's, I just have this sense that we're going to get into the deadline. We're going to make a trade for a goalie. And uh, 90% of Oilers fans are going to have to look up who that goalie is. Like James <laughs> right? Reimer. Yeah. You know, they're going to, and we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to find a, you know, find some positive about it. Like, oh, he, you know, if we're playing Calgary in the first round, it, you know, it'll be, oh, he's, you know, five and two against Calgary lifetime. That's why we went for him. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, that's the yeah, kind of thing stuff. we're going to be doing, right? 
Yeah. Thanks, Garfield. Yeah. I'm sort of on the same page as you, Michael. I, I like I kind of feel like if anything is gonna get done, it won't be until the, the deadline. Otherwise, it's in the summer. So then we have to trade Skinner or Smith, you guys. We have to, because that's the only way that we get down to one goalie next year to be able to use somebody else. If we trade Koskinen, we're stuck with Skinner and Smith next year. What are we going to do? I think we're already stuck with this is Skinner. <laughs> well, we are. I know. Yeah. But like, so what's the, are we just going to get a rental then for four months and then start over next year and waste another year of Connor and draw Leon's contracts with no goaltending? And I mean, like, we can't say that's a foregone conclusion right now because like, we're, we're banking on the <laughs> Skinner, right? <laughs> which is not totally unheard of. Like, it's not impossible for a young goaltender to come in and emerge as a starter. That's no. the thing about establishing starters. You just talked about Bennington. Cam Ward did it to us in 06. Yep, exactly. Are you, are, you, are, are you a better team with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, or are you a better team with Mike Smith and Stuart Skinner? I don't even know anymore. Exactly. I don't know anymore. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> it's a big question. I don't question know. Mark. I don't know. I don't even know. Mike Smith's the best goalie we have that's played at that level. If he can play at the same level he played at in the first round of last year's playoffs, we'll be just fine. But he's not that Mike Smith. Well, Baskin's a fucking roller coaster, and Stuart Skinner's 23 years old. And, and, I don't and, know. And Mike Smith will be another year older. Ugh. And his groin will be another 14 years older. <laughs> Ryan, did you get to finish your thought there, bud? Yeah, no, I, th- I think I got it all out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt it, but <laughs> you probably lost it in the uh, incessant. I don't know. Well, like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. We've been talking about getting goaltending for three years, three months, three weeks. We three got, days, uh, just we got Josh. Stop. Josh from Tough Call wants to join, guys. Should we? Uh, yeah, get, get him, him in, in here for sure. Let's yeah, get him oh, in. Yeah, the more the merrier. All right, Watch sure. We'll figure Watch out. Durst and I are going to switch spots now. I'm going to be Michael Hebert. That's right. We'll figure gotta, it out. I'm going to stand on my head. That'll make it more entertaining tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get it done. You guys, uh, you guys, you do your thing, and and uh, I'll find a way to get him involved here. Hold on. All right. What do you guys, let's, you want to shift gears? Do we still got to talk about that dead horse or what? Oh, I mean, Josh uh, is probably going to want to jump back in. So I don't know if you want to keep talking about goaltending or not, but no, maybe that's why he wants in. No, I'm good. Um, a little concerning. Uh, we're starting to get a lot of guys into sick bay now. Uh, Nuge down, Yamamoto down. Um, glad Connor yeah. came, came back. I think he needed a little bit of Cassian, you know, Yessa. Yeah. I, th- I think Connor needed a little bit of. Uh, numbing in, in in the bottom teeth there and and uh look like he kind of got a stitch or two oops i just fingered everybody <laughs> before you before you can say ambasol ambasol yes <laughs> there you go he got a little uh got a little bit of a poke yeah i'm sure that's true well you know the power play is still a problem um we had the best power play in the universe and the best power play in 40 years um Drysidle, I think, had 15 power play goals in the first 25 games. I think Connor had seven power play goals in the first 25 games. And in the next 25 games after that, they had one each, two combined up until Connor potted that one last game. So that's three. 
I think uh, um, didn't Leon have one uh, yesterday as well? Was that a power play goal? Yeah, yeah, it was a power All play right. goal. There you go, two each in the last twenty. Yeah, I know games. it's a power play goal because every Flames fan in the world was happy to like jump onto my Twitter and tell me <laughs> how how oh Leon just got another one on the power play because. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, and it and it for the wasn't... record, Dry has two power play goals in his last twenty-seven. So they shouldn't have had that many opportunities to jump into your Twitter feed and get up in you there. Yeah, and it wasn't that patented one timer either. It was a bit of a hey. A, a look at that segue. So I was listening to the call to hockey, and um, uh, Dave and and Bruce there track obviously grade A chances and. Um, five bell chances and all of that stuff. But what Dave Staples started doing is, I don't know if you guys listen, but that one timer from the bottom of the circles, they call it his executioner shot. And he uh, made, started making a little like note in his game notes every time that that was the play. In the first 25 games of the season, Dreisaitl got the executioner shot off successfully 11 times. Since that, in the last 26 games... 27 games, he has gotten it off three times. Yeah, so, other, other teams have definitely started to read that, right? Yes. The, the Oilers are trying to force everything below the hash marks, and other teams are seeing that. They might leave one guy hot a little higher than that just to cover off a potential point shot, but it is a whole bunch of traffic below the hash marks. So, like, the Oilers have kind of compressed the amount of space that they have to work with on that power play, and they continue to try that force that cross-seam pass to dry settle that just isn't there anymore. And then well, if he does go to dry, he's not getting that shot off because they got some yeah. blocking way, right? So it's trying to go right back across, and it's not working. I'll come right back to you, Rai. What I, what I notice different, and it's not much, like, I don't think the Woodcroft power play is that much different than the Tippett power play. Like, they still play the 1-3-1. But that bumper position looks to have maybe changed a little bit. Like I noticed maybe Woodcroft bouncing back and forth where Tippett was pretty staunch on having that like Hyman chase on, you know, Neil kind of net front presence bumper. Whereas I noticed before he got hurt, Woodcroft had um, instead of Nuge on the half wall, he had him in the middle and he was kind of like darting in and out. Like he wasn't taking cross checks in, in front like chase on did or whatever, but you know, I, I noticed that it's really the only systematic difference. Um, but I, what I wanted to actually retaliate with you to, or to you with was, you know, there's a power play over in Washington for the last 15 years that says, who cares if it's predictable? Right. I think Washington has yeah, a I- second shot on their power play, right? They have Carlson or Kuznetsov or somebody on the other side. That's also that threat. I think dry is kind of all we got. What do you think, Mike? I'm going to say you guys are uh, you guys are all wrong. I I don't think it has anything to do with anybody adjusting. To be honest, dry and McDavid are too good. I mean, they're you know arguably the two best players on the planet. I think yeah. it has everything to do with dry was injured. He wasn't taking the shot. He stopped taking the shot. The first time I've seen him even go for it and like 10 games was the other day and he almost had it. I think he's feeling better now. We hit the post. And when, you, and when you're playing, yeah. And when you're playing, you know, 30 minutes a game on average and you're, you know, you're probably playing through an injury, right. That you're not allowing to heal. So he's had some time. He's, you know, 
he's getting it healed up a little bit. What do you think it was? I, was it the hand? I think it was the hand. I, yeah, I, I mean, that in my, in my mind, that's all that is, is they, you know, they weren't playing to the shot because he couldn't take it. Right. Well, they had McDavid playing a one-timer shot, the executioner yeah. shot for four or five games there exactly, too. So Dry right? clearly and couldn't even get it off. Yeah, so I, that's, that's, that's my thought on it. I mean, I maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah. But here, right. to, to, uh, and I'm going to come back to you, Ryan. I do want you to finish that thought, and then Mike can run with this, or Durst can run with it. But here, listen to this, man. So our top unit power play when we started the season are Dry, Nuge, Connor, Hyman, Barry. Dry has two power play goals in his last 26 games. Nuge hasn't scored a power play goal all year. Connor has two or three in his last 44 games. Two in the last 44 games. Hyman had three in his first five games of the year. And then I think he's had like two or three in the last 41 now. And Barry has had zero in the last 29 or 30 games. That's astounding. It really is. Like, like that's your that's driving your power play off a cliff, is it not, right? I mean, yeah, it's not just Connor and Leon; it's everybody else that's struggling too. I mean, part of it's their entries. Like it's the last little while. They, there's been a lot of times like today they couldn't get any zone time established. Even on that four minute power play, they couldn't get anything established. I mean, there's a lot of factors, but I want to kind of talk about the Washington power play too, because you're yeah, 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 yeah. Please do. But uh, Ovi's spot is different than Leon's spot. Oh, Leon's for sure. It's kind of below the face-off dot, yeah. that sharper angle. Ovi is basically right on the face-off dot or a little higher. Where is that pass coming from? It's coming from the point, right? Yeah. It's a much higher percentage pass. Like it might work its way from the right half wall to the left. Right, where's our pass going? It's going through through the crease, right through the, spot, right through the yeah. box, yeah. lower percentage play. So yeah, of course. Great point. I mean, Ovi's is just an easier shot to get off. Even if what Hebert said w- was true, I think you you have to start establishing other people on the ice. You, you need more than one threat, you know. And I, I do think just teams wait, have adjusted. even even if what I said is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm not, I don't know. He, he, you, know when, you know when they were at their best, you know, what they were doing is a lot of it was creating chances off of chaos, right? They win a battle for a yeah. puck and then they quickly move it. They're moving the puck quicker and they're moving bodies quicker. Like talking about McDavid playing that dry sidle spot intermittently sometimes for a few games. Like if you if we're watching closely, he does it. They change it up every once in a while, even on the same power play sometimes. Right, they were doing that a lot more at the beginning of the season. We're seeing a lot less of that rotation and that movement. Yeah, you're, you're having guys in different spots. That yeah. different look. You, you hit it. You're hitting on something exactly right. Like a lot of times, that goal comes from Leon off a broken play, where where there's people on the ice or whatever, and they're falling down, and it and they just shovel, yeah, they shovel it over to him, and it's in the net. Yeah. Yep. They're, they are. I mean, Louis kind of talked about it today too. They're outworking the penalty kill. Right. Like yeah. Every, if the moment that you gain entry in the offensive zone and you start passing it around, like that's a set position. There has to be something to get them unset. Right. That's usually a shot or like a cross scene pass. They're trying to rely on that cross scene pass too often. Where we might be trying to get shots from the point, but there's no one in front of the net, and the puck's going a mile high off the glass. It's easy for PK to win that race. 
I mean, today we get a four-minute power play, and and unfortunately McDavid can't have a second of it. And, and Nuge isn't out there, and that that just yeah. totally totally changes our power play. So they're trying to work Evander Kane in there too, which I mean, Kane's a great player, and you would think great player, you know, perfect fit. But it takes time to start figuring out what each other does on the ice and get the reads down for that power play. So like, it'll take Kane time to fit in too. So guys, yeah, uh, for sure. Do we got Josh ready to go? We got Josh's uh, Josh is on and uh, listening nice. in, and he's probably dying to interject and say he's something. He's just uh, just pumping audio. None of that pretty face of his, or what? <laughs> no. For, for, for those of you that are listening, yeah, uh, we can a Josh hear Bolton hat trick is when you trip on the blue line and then take a ten minute misconduct for chirping the ref, and then you forget to take your skate guards off. That's a Josh <laughs> hat trick right there. Well, listen, I could talk about all those right now. Back Let's in Adam. In the warm-up of one of the games in Colhaver Place, I was doing a, a loop for the horseshoe drill, the classic horseshoe drill, and I literally tripped over the blue line and bent my pinky finger back, and I had to leave the rink, go get a thimble put on, and have a thimble on my pinky for a week. So, so that oh, is something I have done, yeah. is trip over the blue line. It's a good thing you, um, it's a good thing you thing use your index finger We were playing a team against, uh, from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> um, rest of, the rest of the podcast is just going to be Josh telling us stories of back and Adam. <laughs> I got one from Bantam too. We, How many times played... have you got a Josh Hattrick? <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> we were oh, playing a team man. from Russia. They were over for a, a tour, and we we played a team that where we were getting introduced. It was a big deal. Clarver Place was packed. We were, um, and we were getting introduced one by one coming out from the Zamboni door and going to the blue line. So professional, right? And one guy was standing there, number 18. So he's one of the last ones to go and had both skate guards on. No one said anything to him. He stepped out. Down he went. Looked down, saw a skate guard, took one skate guard off, (laughs) kept going. Down he went again. (laughs) Nobody said anything. Um, That wasn't me, but it it has happened around me. So... Um, the first thing I heard when I came on this call, by the way, is uh, whatever you said about it, even if Michael is is correct, and I was like, "Good God, what's going on here?" Yeah, that sounds. You <laughs> must. Oh, you must. You definitely must not have heard that, right? <laughs> you, guys, you guys, wow. <laughs> you must have heard so Mike, here I am. not Michael. And I'm li- I'm sitting there in the kitchen and I'm cooking. It's my wife's birthday today. I've oh, coached nice. five games of hockey this weekend all playoff games in three different communities in nova scotia so i'm all over the map trying to get this birthday separate and i'm standing by the stove listening to you guys talk about the owner's goalie situation and i'm screaming my head off loyalty (laughs) loyalty right there (laughs) his wife's birthday he's like it's a weekend with the kids and josh is listening to straight off the pipe attaboy (laughs) it's a contract year for you josh is it Thanks to Mrs. Tough Call and uh, (laughs) (laughs) the greatest and sweetest of happy birthdays that she has uh, allowed you to get on the mic here to to talk about your follies. Um, Anybody in the tournament get kicked out for uh, telling them they found the ref cell phone and they had three missed calls? (laughs) No, but I told my son that joke and he almost said it today. He loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeez. Uh, here we are. So I'm listening to you guys <laughs> talk, and and I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying about Mike Smith. But the thing I've been trying to to figure out for this road trip is 
we're all talking about goaltending and it's you're not wrong it's very easy to pick out goaltending as the main issue for this team and you would not be wrong but the the thing we got to remember is even two months ago the goaltending was just one of like six or seven problems yeah three years ago right so was a goalie gonna really make that big a difference when apparently your team was only four players deep you had no depth you had no um ability to play defense you know you had no penalty kill what what is your biggest problem here is it was bringing a goalie in at that time really going to solve everything this is, um, this is almost like when dash was talking about the leaky basement and, and my <laughs> and my theology of it is you know, you got all these problems. You got to start somewhere. So they start. They started by getting rid of Tippett. Now, well, that's now, not about key. my own analogy. <laughs> now you're on to something here, right? Because no, no goalie, no fourth line for three years. They replaced the fourth line. They recycled people, and they weren't working out. And Tippett wasn't going to make that happen. Uh, whether he's a good coach or not, he just wasn't the right coach at the right time. He wasn't for this team. the right system for this team. Yeah, exactly. It, it's clear. It's crystal clear. It, it we've had several goalies. We all talked about, we had several goalies that went to other teams and had a lot of success. So we, were, were they maybe just in the wrong place at the wrong time? We, so what we, I guess, bring it back to this trip is that what I think this trip revealed is that now goaltending is one of one problem, in my opinion. Goaltending is seventy percent of hockey, unless you don't have a goalie. We're a more percent of hockey. We're a more defensively responsible team under Jay Woodcroft than we were Dave Tippett. Hundred percent. Yeah. If Tippett wasn't changed, then no goalie in the world would have come in and been able to help us. I don't think that's what I'm saying. Once Tippett was out, all bets were off. And if this troop revealed anything to us, it's that we can compete. Yeah, with any team in the league right best. now. Yeah. And, and the goaltending was the thing that was killing us. And it was the thing that saved us when we had it. We're competitive today with a pretty depleted lineup. That, that's encouraging as an Oilers fan. Yeah, well, it Sanders. really is. You know what, so Josh? Now, I'll give you credit because you came on either this podcast or Michael's. I don't know. I get them all confused. But <clears throat> you said, I think your last words on Michael's podcast were, this team is good enough. Like, people, be patient. Just, just give it a chance, and I, I'll, I'll give you credit. You were right. You know, here we are as a depleted lineup, like Durr said, and then we're competing best on best on best, literally. Thank you for that. that was that hard? Did that hurt? No, no. I, mean, like you, I know how much you talk about you being such a big fan of me. I, I can give back sometimes. <laughs> oh, jeez. I looked wow. at this trip as heading into Murderer's Row, and and so far they. They've done all right. You know, they're, they're not cannon fodder and they have two games to go. They win those. It's, it's a successful road trip. So I'm not down in the dumps over the last three games. Exactly. There's hope again, guys. There There's go. hope. Yeah. It's yeah, fun you to and watch. Josh and that loser mentality. <laughs> <laughs> and dare I say something controversial about if you were to- Please. You're That's, a why we're, that's why we're here, man. <laughs> but, like, Does wanted- it look like we get along? <laughs> but nope. like it, everyone's all over Smith for the Tampa game and yeah of course if we get a couple saves we can win that game but 
that first one bouncing puck broken play in off of short skate it was moving slow but that's a you're moving the other way the puck is drifting slowly over the line as you're falling the opposite way it's a tougher save than it looks and that shot at the end of the first period I mean, yeah, we can question why the hell he's on his knees when the puck is up at the face-off dot, but that was deflected right at the point of release by Lagos. That was the old Don Cherry keeper stick out of the shoe. Right, he's let in eight goals in his last 23 shots. And I, I like Let's to talk there about and defend Mike Smith. You, what are you going to say? Okay, that was one goal in that game and one goal the game before. What at about some, the Minnesota game? What at about some point in that game? lightning game, you need a save. <laughs> what about the Chicago game? What about the Vegas game? Wait, what, what was the final score in the Tampa game? Let, let, let me look that up here. 5-3. Yeah, 5-3. Five, five, One of them was an empty net goal. Yeah, you know, guys, I think, though, look. The team made that competitive, not Mike Smith. Sorry. <laughs> we, can, we can take one thing out of this, though, is that if the team had been playing like this all season, we'd be a yeah. lot further ahead with, sure. with the goaltending we have. And being a lot further ahead, is, is still pretty damn good. I mean, we're sitting, I, I, I put out the tweet here earlier today because I, I, you know, I knew what I was looking for, which is the Oilers have lost more man games than just about every team in the league. We were without our top defenseman, a guy that plays, you know, 30 minutes on a lot of nights, right? We've been, yeah, uh, Keith. yeah like we didn't, we didn't gain from the uh, COVID lottery. Like teams like Calgary, as soon as one guy got COVID, they canceled all their te- all their games, right? You know, we, you know, we played through it. Oilers played through all that. We only had like just, two or three at a time. You give us, year. you give us two or three more wins. And we're right up there with the top teams in the league. Right. And ah, so that's what scares me, Michael. We're yeah. going to get to the end of this season and we're going to look back at games of like fucking Buffalo. Well, that's true. But I think we've got, I think we've got the right, we've got the right coaching. We've got the right, they've got the right style playing into this, right. That, whether we get a goaltender or not, the th- the thing though that it doesn't scare me as anymore. I you know a week ago I was saying there's no way we're making the playoffs. I'll tell you now I believe we're going to make the playoffs. But what scares me is I here's where I think the goaltender really uh, counts is in the playoffs. And I don't and I and I think we can get to the playoffs with what we have. We could get through any regular season with what we have. I think. Right style of play. I think we win more. We do everything. Uh, but are we going to get through a, a, a round? No, I don't think so. You're making Dash go to the fidget spinner tonight because he's all all stressed out. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no. the guts out of this thing. We're, we're going to have to play, you know, uh, pond hockey up against the Colorado Avalanche in the first round if uh, we, we don't pull it up a little bit here. Yeah. But now does Holland have the motivation? Before, he wouldn't have got a goalie because I don't feel it would have made enough of a difference based on how things were going. But he, we also didn't think he was going to fire a coach, and he fired his coach. All of a sudden, he's got a reason to believe that this one move will make enough of a difference that maybe he might get a little, a little happy about it and go. We got the balls to fire your coach? Send down Smith to the minors then. Send him down. Yeah, I, I agree. Why not? Like how it's not that hard of a decision, right? We need to know what we have in Skinner. Koskinen gets traded, so what? Smith's down there. We get our new goalie. Koskinen's gone at the end of the year. I don't know. I really think that's the solution. We kind of have to call it a conditioning stint. I don't know. He doesn't have any movement clauses in his contract, so. Step in his place. 
Listen, guys, I, I came on to bump up my uh, status for my entry-level contract, but I do have to go celebrate the, the supper with the wife here, so I appreciate you letting me jump on. Right on. Try not to trip on that carpet separator after the Lemurian, though. <laughs> yeah, tell uh, Mrs. Tough Call we all said happy birthday. All happy right, thanks, birthday. guys. <laughs> all right, thanks. Talk soon. You, you bet. Got her. Bye. Or, you know what they say uh, in... Um, Nova Scotia, they say, sure, sure, we'll talk soon. Sure, we will. Sure. Anybody on the uh, on the hotline? Michael? No, you know, we've had lots of listeners, lots of watchers tonight. Uh, no Nobody's comments. Quiet, pretty, eh? pretty slow on the comments. It was just uh, Josh that got in there and couldn't help himself. He had to be a part part of it. So uh, he, we got him in. We got him he in. Said he he was standing by the stove excited and yelling you know what if we had one fault right it's that we give too much we just care too much we, we do. do we care too much but the real winners hey. here are the kids as i like to say that's the real oh, I, I hope there's no kids listening i think <laughs> yeah, i swore yeah. several times there i'm sorry to my father-in-law and potentially my kid that's watching upstairs because it's actually 3 30 not nine o'clock at night like we usually do this hi declan um <laughs> all right you know what? Let's maybe this is a good time to. Uh, so Ryan's making her his debut on our show here, and and uh, whenever he comes on, um, we're gonna do a little segment with him. So I don't know, Michael, you got to try to find some cute little jingle on your on your toes there for this here. But um, I don't know. I don't want you know maybe flattery is or uh, pardon me. Um, um, what's the saying? Sorry, the duplication is the highest form of flattery and i guess what i kind of envision this is uh, a little bit of like not a rant per se but just like a like struts on a little bit you know like here's ryan's topic he wants to talk about today and we're gonna call it lots of lotsy so and um, now we're a little bit of lots of lotsy everyone having fun lots of <laughs> right, lots of lots there's lots of Ryan everywhere, but we got lots of Ryan on here. Oh, a nice segue, because I believe Ryan wants to talk about some other Ryans. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Lots of other Ryans to talk about. So many Ryans. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to start by talking, giving Derek Ryan a little bit of love. I mean, Patty yesterday, another goal today. He's been playing some great hockey of late. Now, this the idea for this segment kind of came about after I did a little bit of research into... I'll also give Lotsy credit. He wanted to talk about this before Derek Ryan got a hat trick. <laughs> this is very true, right? Yeah. I, we've noticed that Derek Ryan has been playing a lot better of late. Now, when I did my little deep dive, this was kind of during that two-week COVID break we had right after the Toronto game. After Loved it. Players had played 34 games. Derek Ryan, during that time, his goal share... If I can find that here. Derek At 34 Ryan. games, it couldn't have been good. It was awful. It was terrible. Like their five on five was horrific. Tire fire horrific at that point in time. Tire fire horrific. Here it is here. Uh, well, his, his goals for percentage was 24%. Throughout, it was his first 30 games of the year. He had two even strength points. Like It was horrific. But the underlying numbers weren't all that bad. He had expected goals percentage of 49.25. So the, the difference between expected and actual there was ridiculously crazy. And his scoring chances for percentage is 
So not too terrible, but the goals for just were not happening for him whatsoever. Ever since then, he has been unbelievable. It's been a crazy turnaround. It's like from game Oilers game 35 up until the end of the Florida game yesterday, because that's when I was able to do these stats. His goals for are now 14 to 8 since that time. So that's 63.64%. His expected goals for percentage is 56.43. So like there's a strong correlation between his expected and actual goals for there, which is great. And scoring chances for percentage at 52.17. So that's fantastic. And this goes back to before Jay Woodcroft was hired as well. He's been very good under Woodcroft with a goal score percentage of ten, like he's, he's 10 goals for, four against under Woodcroft, and that includes today. So that's 71.43%. Expected goals for 53.79%. This is five on five, right, Ryan? This is all five on five. <laughs> like, you know, he got a little bit of power play by time today, but he rarely does. Right, yeah. Um, and then the scoring chance is for 52%. So there's been signs of life with Derek Ryan. It's like, I wanted to dive in and figure out, well, what's accounted for the turnaround? One theory I had was maybe his move to right wing. And I think there, there may be a lot of merit to that. Right, with Derek Ryan at right wing, which happens... Basically, I was trying to dive into this five minutes before the podcast, so bear with me here. Well, he only had two days. It was ever since Evander King got here. Ever since. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's That was when Tippett put Ryan over to right wing at first, and then Woodcroft has kept him there. So your goal score percentage is 66.67%. That's 12 to 6. His expected goals for percentage is 57.18%. It's like unbelievable metrics there at right wing. His scoring chances were a little surprising. It's 56 to 57. It's 49.56% there. So like he's close to sawing it off with scoring chances, but he's been killing it at right wing. So I wanted to dive into a bit of that too and just see, is that because of Ryan Nugent Hopkins being his center for most of that time? Or is this just Derek Ryan turning it around? And so I did a little bit of diving in on Nugent as well. My eye test says he looked just as good without Nugent today, but I'd say Fogel looked a little discombobulated today. That That's totally fair. I, I, I've never liked Fogel in the top six. Like I, I think Fogel's our perfect third-line winger. Yeah. We but, saw what happens. He panics, right, because he uh, we went offside there. Oh, my God, McDavid, i got to get the fuck. Yeah, you just think you've got to go to the net. Got to go to the net. But, yeah, no, just a little bit off. But, I mean, that trio, Ryan and Fogel and Dude as a line, they've been really good. It's like their goals for is six to three, so sixty-six point six seven percent again. Their expected goals for as a trio is fifty-eight point two two percent, and their scoring chances for is fifty-three point six six percent. Like they've been really good as a trio, but uh, I mean Ryan with Fogel, that was an interesting combo for me as well because like throughout the, in the first segment of the season, like they were god awful together. Like. My rea- my analysis coming out of that was they should never ever play on a line. <laughs> like they were outscored twelve to three 
as a pair in the first 34 games of the season. 12-3. to three. And it wasn't like the supporting numbers were any better underneath it. The scoring chances percentage four was 43.70. It's like they were just not good together. With yeah. Ryan centering Fogel, not good. But Ryan and Fogel on the wings seems to be just fine. Um, but Nugent Hopkins, ever since he's been at 3C, his numbers have jumped up a little bit too. And Nuge has been playing 3C ever since the Montreal game. So this predates Tippett as well. Or sorry, it predates the, the coaching change as well. But his goals for as the third line center, it's nine to six. His goals for percentage, sawing it off basically 50.12%. And, but his scoring chances four is really low. It's only 45.93%. Mm. So, and it didn't seem like Nugent Hopkins is the reason that that line has been doing so well. And they did most of their damage in their first three games together. Like the last four that they were paired together, like they, they were outscored to nothing. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it was necessarily Nugent Hopkins that was carrying that line. Like, Can I give you some stats to support your theory here? Yeah. So tonight, there is no sign of Nuge. I didn't see Nuge out there. Did you see Nuge out there? He's not out there. No Nuge out there. They employed six different line combinations tonight. Um, Ryan McLeod. Yeah, Ryan McLeod. Uh, sorry, I'm pardon me. Derek Ryan. Too many Ryans. Derek Ryan was on three of those six line combinations. He played 14 minutes of ice time, but he played uh, two and a half penalty kill and almost two minutes of power play time. So you chunk that back down to 10 minutes, five on five. He played five on five, a minute 46 with Shore and McLeod and their Corsi was 100%. And their Fenwick was 100%. Ryan also played two minutes with Ryan McLeod and Tyler Benson. And for that two minutes, their Corsi was 70% and their Fenwick was 66.6. The other combination was Fogel, McLeod, and Hyman, and their Corsi was 60. Here's the, and their uh, Fenwick was 60. Here's the Corsi of the other line. Um, 20, 50, and 47. Every line Ryan touched tonight, Derek Ryan touched tonight, was considerably better. Oh, yeah. Like you could tell he had, he had a step. He had some jump in his step. And he, he was just feeling it. Like, no other way to put it. He was just feeling it. But, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to give Derek Ryan a bit of a shout-out and pump his tires a little bit. He's great. And then the other observation that I kind of gleaned from looking at all this is I don't think Nugent Hopkins is the right third line center. Wow. Really? Because Massage? his numbers are decent. Like compared to the group of months we had 23C at the beginning of the season, his numbers are markedly superior, but they're, he's kind of sawing it off or falling a little bit under 50% in most of the important categories that I looked at. His goals percentage has gotten a lot better. And ever since he's moved to center, over playing right wing, he's doubled his even strengths and scoring output this season. Hmm. Right? And, like, I talked about this before, too, in another article I did. In the 82 games that I looked at where Nuge has played left wing, 
going back to the start of two regular seasons ago, mm-hmm. he only had 25 points at even strength. That's wow. not good Combined? enough. For like he had, he had a great he had great power play numbers in those two years. So that's his overall point production looked really good, but only 25 points at even strength in that 82 game sample at left wing. And now he's moved to center. I have it written here somewhere. Nuge, yeah, here it is. So six and twelve games ever since he's been moved to center, and then and that's playing with Fogel and Ryan for the most part. Now imagine if he's centering Evander Kane and Leon Dreisen. Yeah, right. And so like that's where I think Nugent Hopkins' best fit is on this team. He needs to be playing center, and he needs to not be the best player on his line. And that, that means you should be playing with one of the big guns on the second line. So I like Seidel's too important at center. you got to play him with McDavid then. That's kind of what they were doing when Tippett was there, how McDavid always wanted Nuge on his line, I think, for that defensive responsibility. And maybe, you know, I see a lot of that in Ryan McLeod right now, Lotsy, because, like, he's, he's a defensive wizard oh, out yeah. there. His, he is, and his speed He's been good on both sides. Been he's been, he's been great. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the I, offensive side has just come around, where right? I think the defensive yeah. side of the puck's been there all year. Well, oh, I yeah. said, I said it, I said it a little while ago. I mean, uh, without McLeod, the loss of Puliarvi would have been huge for this team, right? Like uh, McLeod, yeah. just he's he surprised me. You, you guys were talking about uh, Nemo being the big surprise. Uh, McLeod for me, I mean, the guy is. Uh, He's noticeable every game. He gets good chances. He's good down low. He's not that guy that we thought wouldn't drive to the net. He tried to drive to the net tonight. He didn't make it, but he tried, right? Like he gave it a go. And um, I, I just think he's, and he's versatile, right? Like he's played, uh, he's played fourth line, third line. He's played up. Like he's, he's played up and down the lineup everywhere and, yeah, uh, and played his role. Like yeah, yeah. He got bumped off to the, onto the line with Kane and dry settle. He's playing right wing. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, were you, outstanding. I, I got to clarify. Were, were you suggesting uh, Nuge centering Drysaddle and Kane? Yes. So like, I, I would move Drysaddle the right wing, and th- yeah. this is another conversation for another day. But and I, 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 I think you are right inside. I like that idea because there, if there's one deficiency at with Nuge at center, it's uh, on the faceoff dot. So Leon could help him out with that. Still yeah, like faceoffs. And so look at what it takes to be an effective winger. Yeah, you need a little bit of speed, but you've also got to be strong along the walls. You got to win puck battles in the defensive zone. You've got to be able to make a play with the puck on the board, get it out of the zone. In the offensive zone, you've got to be able to win puck battles on the board and, and make a play. Well, Leon can do all those things fantastically well. He uses like his size is a major tool for him on the wall. Vision Hopkins, he's little, right? Yeah. He's not winning many battles on the wall. He, he's good at getting pucks out and making plays to to centers that are streaking, but like in the offensive zone, he's not winning many puck battles on the boards. It's like he's better off leading the rush through the neutral zone and being that supporting forward high into Aaron J. Woodcroft's system. Yeah, especially if they're going to play that two one two four check, because then that high the F three is the perfect position for Nuge. So I mean, Ryan, we don't have enough though background on. Nuge playing up versus playing a third line to really, in my mind anyway, back this up. Like, you know, I mean, there's there's something to be said about having Nuge on the third line 
in terms of protecting lines one and two, right? Like, you know, I mean, you, you still have to, if, if you know Nugent Hopkins, who is a first overall pick and who is not too shabby, right, of a player, right, is out mm-hmm. there, you got to play somebody that's going to be able to play against him, right? And so I just think he adds that dynamic. He might not put the points up, but that's what you want. You want to sort of shelter those, you know, top two lines a little bit more. It's like when uh, Durson and I talked to Shrimp, he said, look, I'd love to see McDavid and Dreisaitl play 60 minutes out there, but the, the players are just too good nowadays, right? Yeah. That you can't, you know, you can't play that many minutes and be successful. So it's like letting Dursa play third line center. He's just like, we got to shelter right. him. We got to shelter that's him. Right. That's right. You got to shelter him. Shelter I'm him on better. the, on I'm the a bench. Lot better. I'm a lot better as your lazy left winger, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but you you, you know what I'm saying? So I just, I mean, I, I, I get where you're coming from with this, with the stats and that, but this is a case of, I, like, I think that we've not seen enough of this team with Nuge playing on the third line to really truthfully know, like to put a good sample together and say, this is good or this isn't because right now he's played third line. And we seem to be a different team, right? Like, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of other changes going on there, so it's yeah, hard to, for sure. you know. I also I, don't I, think there's know. enough to say that Nuge yeah. is the reason that the team's been doing a lot better, right? So it, you're right, it's early days, and we've had some success with Nuge at 3C, and there's something to be said for balancing out the lineup. I just think we can get more out of Nuge if we play him at second line center with dry settle on the wing. So I might admit, who do you have on third line in that? Scenario? That's what I was just going to jump in. This is yeah, what yeah. scares me. And my challenge to your plan would be is that we've already established that Derek Ryan isn't a very good third line center and potentially You've never been in my plans. And third that, line well, but so then we're going to rely on Ryan McLeod and. Yeah. So, I mean, this is our fourth line center about- going into the playoffs. If Ryan McLeod's our third line center. Yeah, yeah, we were just tooting McLeod's horn two seconds ago, and now we're <laughs> sure. But how many Stanley Cup champions have a rookie center at three and four? Well, that's very fair. And you look at the underlying numbers on McLeod, though, and like when I did my analysis of every bottom of the roster player playing with one another in a pairing in that combo, McLeod compares very favorably with almost everybody. Yeah. Like it's Shots like the, the scoring chances percentages were always fifty percent or more. If they weren't, they were damn close. And like, just so fast and so responsible. Yeah, very responsible defensively. And like we're starting to see the offensive creativity come out. So it's about utilizing your fancy stats. It's about figuring out where what line combo is going to be the least likely to be scored on and which still has a little bit of potential to light it up a little bit right it's like right assuming full health the line i like the most would be fogel with mcleod because like those two i think would really need to be the third line pairing mcleod centering fogel i don't care what side he plays on i think that's a great combo but i had cassian on the right side so fogel mcleod cassian cassian and then if you're going to, let's say Cassian's out of the lineup like he is right now. What you this, can do, ca- this Cassian guy? Right. This Cassian then, guy, he any good? Sometimes. <laughs> I've never seen him play before. <laughs> yeah, I've never <laughs> seen him play. Not for a couple the of years. The other move I have failing Cassian would be putting Benson on the third line left wing, 
McLeod is in the center, and then Fogel at right wing. I think that Cassian guy forgot to board the plane back from Anaheim uh, two years ago. Yeah. Playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. I think so. And maybe you can fill that at the trade deadline, right? You find that gritty third line right winger, or sorry, third line center. That's, you know, I, that's we're always, not getting gets like, laugh at this point, but that kind it, of guy, right? Or maybe we can bring McLeod, Eric Stahl back from the dead. Whether it's McLeod or Holloway, I think one of those two is going to be the three C of the future. Of the so, future. Of the future. So maybe he doesn't light it up and we, we, we don't win a Stanley Cup this year. I'm not expecting that. If we did, that'd be gravy. But uh, so I think if you can get a teach him now, third line center, like Derek Broussard's a guy I've had my eye on. Philly's not making the playoffs. He's a UFA. He's old. They could get an asset for him, and he's been producing mm-hmm. in Philly this year. So, so someone like that as an example. Got some grit. You can get somebody like that and play third line center for this year, then that's amazing. But in the right. term, I mean, they're just working. It, it's fine, but I, I just don't think it's the right way to optimize the results of this roster. Okay, so Michael and I agree that uh, we like Nuge better at 3C, which doesn't surprise me because fools seldom differ. Dursa likes your plan there, and uh, he likes try on the wings. So who does Dursa put in, in the 3C spot and the 4C spot? I'm uh, curious what your reaction to all this is, Dursa. Yeah, I'm not convinced I want uh, Ryan McLeod as my third-line center, but, yeah, there might be something to, uh, you know, making, it, making a move or, or wait a little bit here and, and see how it goes and then, and then uh, towards the end of the year bring up Dylan Holloway. I think at some point he's probably going to get a look here, but I think it's a little bit later. I think it's a few weeks away. I don't know. Well, I, you got to think that Nuge is out for a few, I bet you. I mean, that's a shit. Didn't look good. It didn't yeah. look good, and and they don't reevaluate and take the night off. Uh, you know, send them on a plane yeah. home, didn't they? Yeah. So it's not, he's, not ideal when you got to go see your doctor yeah. the next morning. <clears throat> no. So yeah. I, well, I mean, that's that's going to be a big playoffs, one. and we'll bring him and Cluffbaum back, and uh, <laughs> Cassian, and uh, we'll get hey, we get 20, twenty million over the cap. Perlini just about broke through that one uh, that one play. If he had broken through there, I would have bought a Perlini jersey. Uh, tonight. <laughs> he panicked and put the backhander on. You should have taken that to that hard. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, and then Sevier almost banked one off uh, the back of Anderson, which, um, you know, those guys I thought filled in uh, pretty good for a couple of guys that haven't played for a while. I thought they uh, they came in and and gives me some hope that um, despite all of the uh, we could be you know the the Tampa Bay team that uh, all of our guys come back for playoffs. That's very wishful thinking. I know before thinking, <laughs> before, yeah. before I totally get trashed on every social media platform. I, ah, not, it's okay. Nobody's not listening. comparing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nobody's listening. Uh, but you know, I mean, this um, this team uh, without some of our key players, you know, arguably half of our top nine is doing uh, pretty decent, I think. And a lot of that just has to do with putting the right style and system in place when you've got guys like Dreisaitl and McDavid on your team. You you can have a middling team down the rest of the team as long as the system is good, right? And you you might have to rely on those guys a little bit more than... <laughs> I, like You can't rely on them any more than we do, but <laughs> you might have to rely on them a little bit more again and hope that we get some chemistry with some of these guys they're calling in. 
Perlini's a gunslinger, eh? He loves to shoot the puck. Yeah, I, 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 I like really him. underutilizing him. Yeah. Really underutilizing him. He's a tippet guy, not a Woodcroft guy. I'm not sure Woodcroft knows how to use him exactly, right? He's it doesn't have the same experience and you know, muscle memory like he does with Benson and Yamamoto. And don't get me wrong, like you guys have heard me shouting from the rooftops to get Benson onto a skill line. Like I I think you really Oh, me too, brother. And I've been clamoring to be with McDavid all year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have drive, but like honestly, like Benson needs a shot up there too. But like even Perlini on a fourth line, like you need a fourth line that's not gonna get outscored every night. And you got here you are with that. I'm a big Benson fan, guys. Like me I'm, too, guys. I'm, I'm telling tell you, you yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, want I, him up there. I, I would like that too. And and you know what? Like the guy's got a little bit of grit. Yeah, he you just know, plays yeah. with passion on every yeah. line he's in. He finds a way to contribute. He's yeah. either mucking it up or he's, yeah, he's mucking it up. You he's see never that. done that his whole life. The kid had three hundred and fifty points when he was thirteen, playing with fifteen year olds. And he's you know he's got you know that shit eating grin, which is great yeah. for a disturber, right? Like you know this is a guy who uh, spends a lot of time on his ass because people are pushing him out from in front of the net. We don't have enough of that. Right. Did you see the one today where he got pushed out? Yeah, yeah. The goal line, he got pushed and fell into the backboards. And he gives you that smile, that smile that, you know, as a defenseman, I can tell you, pisses (laughs) pisses you off to no end. And that's that's the kind of good style of play we, you know, we need. I actually, the one, I have one disappointment. I think Kane's been doing all right, but we haven't seen enough of that from Kane. I thought we were going to see more of that from Kane. Yesterday, Kane. Yesterday, Kane looked a step behind. Yeah, yeah I still- mean, I, he's not been he's not been terrific. He's, I mean, he's been good. I wonder if he's banged up. There's an order already, something like that. Like when you look at it from that perspective, he's been good. But just like watching the eye test, doesn't look that good. Yeah, then can I use that as a bit of a segue? Yeah, Absolutely. there's there's something I I'm dying to ask Michael to be honest. Ever since it happened, I've been dying to ask Michael, but I wanted to wait till it was on the air because I didn't <laughs> want to prep him. So, oh, oh man, oh, yeah, oh, you're man. gonna be put on the spot here pretty yeah. soon. But <clears throat> I'll get to that. Nima Linen, like you said, I don't know if he's the big surprise earlier, Michael. He's he's just big. I don't know if he's the big surprise. <laughs> he is, he he's just big. big. He is big. Boys, nine hits. In 13 minutes and 59 seconds against Tampa Bay. And oddly enough, he got exactly 13 minutes and 59 seconds again against Florida and had five hits. Six hits against Carolina today in 1239. That's 20 hits in the last three games. When, when, I, play, wanna... when I play like NHL 22, if I don't have 100 hits at the end of the game, I'm, I'm mad at myself. I mean, he's, he's your 100-hit guy. Like <laughs> 20 hits in three games, Dursa extrapolate that out that's like four or five hundred hits and you want to guess how many pat uh patrick you want me to guess how many evander kane had in that same time period two three nima linen had 20 five three yeah yeah uh leading all forwards was yamo with six and he only played two of the three games and uh connor mcdavid four hits Like nurse piled up a bunch too. I almost wonder if his physicality hasn't been cranked up a notch a little bit by watching Marcus go along because he's all of a sudden had some five, six, nine, eight, nine hit games as well. Did we miss your um, question for me in here? No, or? it's coming. I, I get there. Don't I'm wait for it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting longer. the stats ready here. <laughs> all right, my segue right before Michael rudely cut me off is 
How much did you love when he blew up Corey Perry? Oh, man. <laughs> like, you know, I just love, uh, it, look, if Corey Perry, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, He's my question, be, he's that's not be. even my question for you. I'm no, just like, yeah. how much did you yeah, guys yeah. love in yeah. general? How I, much I mean, up? I obviously I loved it almost it. as much as he blew up Dustin Brown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, twice. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, Kessler takes another run, uh, <laughs> and gets in for a couple of games <laughs> against Nemo. Just so Maybe. Marcus can take, yeah. Pionk, whoever line him up. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, no, I love Mike, it. My question for you is this, Michael. I know that you've been clamoring for a certain player or a certain player type to be on the Oilers. Ryan just went on about how he would love for Nuge to be on the top six with McDavid and Dry, which leaves a hole for a veteran type of player. And I don't know if you've said the word Corey Perry or the name Corey Perry in the last two years or not. Buddy, game-winning goal, first star, goal, assist, like he, he absolutely owned us. And the entire time I was just like, Oh, Michael's going to be boiling. Yeah. Lots of times, lots of times. In fact, uh, I could find the tweet when he was uh, looking to sign somewhere where I said, we need Corey Perry as much as we hate this. Yeah, guy, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, you know, you know why we hate him? Because he's not on because our he, team. <laughs> Cause he's not you know, on our team. You know why we hate him? Because he's 48 years old and he still went four hits plus one goal assists, a takeaway. Like seven. Line in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Like, like, like Patty Maroon, the guy just keeps getting to the finals, right? It's not, it's not. Oh, who would have guessed that if we played Tampa, that they would score first and it would be Pat Maroon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just a, about as likely as it would have been scored first in Ethan Bear today, I guess. But anyways, all right. Well, I was just dying to know what you thought of uh, Corey Perry lighting us up like a Christmas tree. Since yeah, it dri- you're his know, biggest fan. You know, it drives me nuts. I like I like I hate Corey Perry just as much as I hate you know Kachuk and all those guys. But look, if they're on my team, I love them to no end. Right? Like they, those are the guys that you got to have those guys on your team. Yeah. We just right? talked about Benson. Yeah. We, I mean, Benson, Benson could be that guy. I mean, he's got a little bit of work and he needs, he needs a proper mentor mentor, right. To get, get him to that level. But I think he could be that guy, you know, he's got to be, um, if I'm him and, and, or I'm Woodcroft, I'm telling him like you get in front of the net at practice and we're just going to start firing shots at you and deflecting them. And I'm going to mm-hmm. have nurse with, uh, the lumber there trying to, you know, and, and it's not a good practice until nurse wants to go down, uh, you know, throw the gloves down with you. Right. Like, you mm-hmm. know, just get, you know, like he's got the grin, he's got everything about his game that he, and he's skilled, right. We know that we've seen a couple of pretty sweet little plays and sweet little uh, touches from him oh, in yeah. the last few games. He's yeah. got the skill. I mean, you don't, you don't lose that you don't because lose. you yeah. went from junior to NHL that skills there and the hockey sense is there. So nice. he, he's, he's got to be in, in lieu of, Former Rocket Richard winner, signing. man. Yeah, yeah. In lieu of uh, signing Corey Perry or somebody like that to the team, um, you know, we got to find from within, right? And he's probably the closest. You can't have a guy like Yamo do it because well, as much as we love him, he's just not big enough, right? Like, you know, and, and Benson seems to be have that uh, level that he can he could do that. I hope, I hope he picks it up. I remember back when Cog, Cogliano first came to the Oilers. like. He thought he was the uh, the winger that could fly by everybody and be a super skilled player, 
it wasn't until he found his his niche in the in the NHL that he became, you know, a solid everyday type of NHLer, right? And as soon as he and he and he started to find it near the end of, in Edmonton, but uh, Cogliano turned out to be you know a hell of a hockey player who's had a great career because He's the he found, epitome of everyday hockey player. Exactly, yeah. And but he but he found his niche, right? And that's what uh, Benson needs to do, and that this team needs that. Uh, it was supposed to be, we've talked about it a million times. It was supposed to be Cassian. It's not right. We Probably know. I know had his chance to be offensive though. Like I'm not like he got to he play did. with Gagne and Nielsen on a line and the kid line and he the did. last 25 games of the year and top power play. When has Benson got that opportunity? Yeah. Well, I, and I'm not I, sure Benson knows he needs to take the, but I think Benson, route yet Benson even... could be both of those things, right? Like he sure. could be a top line in your face kind of guy. Right. Right. And cause he's still in his, in his prime, right? Like he's still got lots of good years. I mean, he doesn't need to be the Corey Perry until he's, you know, 10 years older. Right. Yeah. The only reason Corey Perry is not on the first line is he's, you know, he's not much younger than I am. Right. Like he's still yeah. playing a game. He doesn't have the, the foot speed that the young guys have anymore. Um, but hell, I'd love to have Corey Perry on my yeah, team. Corey Perry's like as old as Mike. Yeah. Smith's groin. It's, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Up, yeah, it's up there. It's up there. <laughs> Durst, wake up! Yeah. Wake up, Durst. What's your thought? Signing Corey Perry. The old man life? sleeping by the fire. There, he's got. I know sleep. you've got a Corey Perry jersey hidden in there somewhere, Durst. Come on. It, it's getting toasty in here. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Well, it's because you're wearing a 17 <laughs> Kessler T-shirt underneath that hoodie. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you want to play that? Game? No, no. Oh, 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 oh man! Can you see that? Scared, yeah, you scared Thank the God we can see that. Yeah. yeah the crap. I was like, I was looking for the off button on here, but I couldn't yeah, find yeah. it. Yeah. Can't mute that, can you? All <laughs> of a sudden, we've been picked up by a different website. All <laughs> that's, right. Right, that's right. Yeah. 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 Bring on the porn bots. <laughs> porn bots. Yeah. yeah. They're already with us. So give them some entertainment. Why not? There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I don't know. All my notes are crossed off. I'm, I got nothing. I don't know. I, I've rattled enough off the crossbar for one. Afternoon, I just I about said around the table. Yeah, let's go around the table. Exactly. We got uh talk about whatever you want, really. We got a couple games coming up, three, two more on the road trip, then one back home. Um, Durst gets last words. So uh Lotzi, what do you figure, buddy? Yeah, I mean, I know Mike said this a couple times already, but we got Chicago and Philly around out this road trip. You get two wins there against teams that we theoretically should beat. Then, theoretically, then yeah, good looking road trip. Um, I'm anxious to see what's happening with Nuge and what's happening with Yamal. Those we can get by for a few games without them, but I think long term that's going to be a problem. And uh, yeah, Nuge is a big loss, like a bigger loss than we all realize, just because he, he touches the game in every possible way. It's PK, it's power play, it's it's even strength, um, defensive conscience that we, we're losing. And yeah, so like that's a big one if he's out for a while. Hopefully it's just a tweak and nothing serious. Um, yeah, we just kind of got to survive for the next little while here, stay in the race until we start to get some full health and then watch us race up the standings. That's how I'm feeling. Prediction against Philly, Chicago, and Montreal? Those three, 
Montreal, I'm curious about because they're playing really well under Marty St. Louis. I got a buddy who's put a couple of bets against Montreal since St. Louis was hired. That's and right. He's a failed them. Times. <laughs> so, not, I mean, if we go 2-1 and one in that stretch, that's okay. We should win all three of those games, though. But we're allowed to lose one once in a while. So, I'll say 2-1 yeah. and one in that next stretch. I'll, I'll agree with you and then shut up again. Hey, Bear? <laughs> uh, yeah, we... Um... You know, we've, uh, I, I think the team's been playing well. We're going to, I, I do believe this is the type of uh, three game stretch that we can go three and oh, and, um, you know, they just got to keep the focus. I think Woodcroft, look, I love listening to this guy because I said it in a tweet earlier today. Like, I think he's the kind of guy you play for, right? Yeah. Like, he, you know, I, and look, and, and Bush had a, like, an awful game against Florida. Uh, absolutely awful. Manson put him back uh, out on the ice afterwards. Like these guys, you know what? They're going to want to prove something, right? Because they're being given the they're being given the keys to to do that, right? That's how guys like Ryan, guys like McLeod, guys like Nemo. That's how they become successful because they're trusted and they feel like they're a part of the team. I, and I think that you know that's just going to lead to good things. I think we're gonna we're gonna see them go into Philly, Chicago, and Montreal and understand the importance of these games going in, especially now we're, we're actually sitting one just outside of a wild card spot. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm guessing three and O oh, and, and I actually feel good about us going into Calgary as well, but we'll talk about that uh, next week. Uh, last kind of words I want to say, um, tune in tomorrow or Tuesday night, uh, after the Philly game, I'm going to have Sean Patrick Ryan, uh, former, nice. formerly goes as the oil night, um, on after the show uh missed the guy he's um taking uh, a break from social media but uh hell of a hockey guy and and good scout and he's going to talk to us a little bit about tulio and and uh matt v petrov um nice. he had a chance hopefully or, or go watch uh maybe you can get the recording of it somewhere um they just aired the um uh, generals versus uh um well where's shane wright playing their front next game the other day um, and so that was a good game to watch, uh, to Leo play. Uh, and then last thing I just want to say, uh, on behalf of, uh, heavy hockey network and everybody, just something a little bit serious. Obviously we all know what's going on in the Ukraine, uh, 100%, uh, support, uh, the Ukrainians in, in their efforts, um, and, um, acknowledge that this is, uh, this is an awful, um, transgression by, uh, Putin. Um, I know, a number of Russian folks that um, are uh, against this as well. Uh, it's just, it's not good on any side, you know, guys, people are losing their lives, uh, not just um, Ukrainians, but Russian soldiers who I don't think know what they're getting into. Right. And, um, and so that's a, uh, it's a sad day, but if you can make sure you go out and donate, donate, um, you know, check out the globe and mail or someplace uh, that gives you a list of, of good places to donate. Cause I don't want you getting scammed at this time and make sure that the donations go to the right place. I've donated. Um, I would strongly suggest everybody else does. Um, it's just an important thing. And, and um, make sure that when you see information of any kind, whether it's pro-Ukrainian or, or pro-Russian, that you know, you, you check the validity of it. I mean, these are, these are days and times where everything's propaganda out there. And uh, just make sure if you're going to share somebody something that it's that it's actually legit and real. Uh, and let's hope this is over, um, you know, sooner sooner than later. Um, anyway, it's just sad for everybody involved. 
Yeah. So anyway, that's well, uh, I don't I didn't well mean to bring by. bring everything down, but that's kind of all I had to say. So uh, thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate that. Well said. Thanks for being here. Sorry, it's all you, Jers. Yeah. Um, take two minutes. Take twenty. Uh, I won't take twenty. Um, I, I'm content with the way the road. Why is Kim right there telling you to turn it off again? Not yet. No. Uh, <laughs> TV's not on loud right now. Um, all right. Okay. The, you know, this Eastern swing, we all thought it was going to be murderer's row. And uh, I think they fared pretty well. Um, would have liked to be two and three or three and three instead of one and three right now. But uh, I, I can deal with this. Um, walk into Philly, win that game, go into Chicago, win that, and then, then come home. And uh, finishing three and two is strong. And, uh, you know, thanks everybody for uh, watching us here and uh, you can check out Michael's shows that he puts out on Oilers live Eric Friesen's uh, forever 99 podcast uh, with Bruce McCurdy. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, check that out, do your homework. Um, we've got articles. Lotsy there uh, writes a couple of Lotsy articles and dash does and he bear does. And I've done some and Eric does some and Josh does some and uh now we got a new guy, Kirk, that's going to put some out. Uh, Spencer as well. I think I caught everybody there. And um, Brett, nah, no, you got everybody. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, Le- yeah. Lechatsky puts out too, um, <laughs> uh, and that didn't come out sounding okay. very good. But nah, he won't listen anyways. <laughs> um, and to, and to follow up with Michael said, I will just quote a former U.S. president that says. Um, I think people want peace so much that one of these days government had better get out of the, their way and let them have it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a tough scene going on o- over there in, in the Ukraine. And, uh, you know, every time they survive a night, a part of me is cheering for that. I, I hope they get through this. It's, uh, not pretty whatsoever. Um, and that quote came from Dwight Eisenhower. My dad thinks he's the best president the United States has ever had. And, uh, He's slowly starting to make me see it his way. Although I still think John F. Kennedy kept us from uh, World War Three years ago, and hopefully uh, we don't end up there. Um, so keep your sticks on the ice, keep reaching for the stars, and go Oilers, go! Let's beat the Flyers uh, on Tuesday. <laughs>